On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be chatting about the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, not the hockey team, not the hockey part, anyway. Yeah, the team. Because City Council is going to be getting a report next week that says that Michael Anlauer, the owner of the team's proposal to partner with the city and build a new arena up at Lime Ridge Mall, that should be stopped. They should be giving no consideration to that. Uh, has not made him very happy. And it's raising some questions about, since the point seems to be that the city wants an arena in the downtown, does everything in the city have to be in the downtown? That seems to be the perception a lot of people are now getting. If, if you don't want to build something in the downtown, we're not interested. That's not really accurate, but that seems to be the perception now. Is it fair? Is Are we putting too much emphasis on the downtown? We're also going to be chatting about a demographic time bomb. If you don't know what that means, stick around. It's a fascinating thing. And Bubba O'Neill from CHCH and I are going to be talking about the deepest question two men can ask each other. You'll understand. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. The City of Hamilton's General Issues Committee, which is an arm of City Council, it is really City Council, but it's a meeting they have before the official council meetings. It's complicated city stuff. Anyway, some of you know it, some of you don't care. Anyway, next Wednesday, they are going to be having their monthly or bi-monthly meeting. And in front of them will be a report that has been submitted by the city of Hamilton, which came out today, looking at Michael Andlauer, the owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs. You will recall he made a proposal several months ago that he wanted to put in $30 million of his own cash and work with the city to build a new arena at Lime Ridge Mall. And it would be attached to the mall at the south end of the mall. It would have been attached there and it would have been 6,500 seats and there would have, as part of this whole thing, there would have been a parking garage as part of the proposal with 1,800 spots so mountain commuters could get it connected and he he was working on something to get that with Metrolinx hooked up to the GO station so mountain commuters could get down. Anyway, it was a big program, big plan. Well, this report that came out by city staff today, the conclusion that it says right off the top is staff is recommending no further action be taken with regards to the new arena proposal. The city staff has basically said a big fat no to anything on the mountain as far as an arena. And they list a number of reasons, transportation and economic development. The biggest one, at least it seems the biggest one is we don't have the spin-offs and the opportunities that we would have if we build it downtown. It's part of the city's strategic plan that an arena, that an entertainment district has to be built downtown. And in response to this, I talked to Michael Anlauer, the owner of the team, just a couple hours ago. Uh, n- not happy, not surprisingly. And for the first time ever, and I've dealt with Michael Anlauer for years and years and years, and he's been frustrated with the city at times. First time ever has said, yep, you know what, it is time for me to start considering my options and starting to look for another home for the Bulldogs because clearly we're not getting anywhere with the city of Hamilton. I can't get anything to happen here. We get promises and nothing ever happens. And now he says he comes forward with a bunch of solutions to problems the city has, at least as he sees them, and gets shot down immediately. And I want to hear from you today, whether you're a sports fan, whether you're a hockey fan, whether you're a Bulldogs fan, a couple of things. You can pick whatever you want to talk about on this one, but A, would you have been okay with an arena not in the downtown core? Would that have been okay with you if we'd done something a little bit different? If we'd 
branched out from the usual and said, you know what? I mean, it's not like Lime Ridge Mall is in the middle of rural suburbia. Lime Ridge Mall is a heavily dense populated area around it. It's not like you're building it in absolute wasteland. Would you have been okay if an arena had been built at Lime Ridge Mall instead of downtown? But the bigger question, and this is the one that, and it's driving me a little bit nuts. I got to be honest with you. And Michael Enlauer raised this himself. He basically felt like it was a foregone conclusion that the report was going to say downtown was the better option. And I'll admit that there are parts of what he says that resonates because it does start to seem in this city at times like it's downtown or nothing. LRT got to be downtown. Transportation got to be downtown. Building's got to be downtown. Arena got to be downtown. Now, I get some of the thoughts behind it that we want to build up the core and all these kind of things. But I think a lot of people who live in Dundas, Ancaster, Stony Creek, Flamborough, on the mountain, I think a lot of people are starting to come to the position, starting to feel like, you know what? You're seeming, as a council, as a city, you seem very happy to accept my taxes. Ask for anything to be built or done near my house, near where we are, not in the downtown core, and it's immediately shot down. And I get that we have to try and build up the core. And and I get that many people feel like the stadium thing, for example, became wrong and became a mess and got put in the wrong place. And maybe now we're trying to compensate for that by not letting anything go. But do you, do you think that there is too much emphasis in this city? being put on the downtown core. Do you think that the city council and city staff are blinded by the downtown core to the point where they won't allow, they won't consider other things for other places in the city? Because as I was thinking about this today, I, I, I will admit, I started thinking to myself, I don't know that it's city building when you're only building in one part of the city. And that seems to be the case right now, that you come forward with an idea that will put something in the downtown or you're going to have a really hard time getting a lot of traction. And, you know, there may be things that can get built elsewhere, but boy, it seems like most of the discussion that we have in this city about projects involves the downtown and only the downtown. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Do we put too much emphasis on downtown Do we leave other places? Do we exclude other places solely so we can concentrate on the downtown? Are we making a mistake by putting too much emphasis on downtown alone when there are options for other parts of the city where you have a builder, a a businessman who wanted to put $30 million of his own money into a project? And it's not that the project had to happen. It's that it was pretty quickly and pretty rapidly just dismissed. We're not going to do that. It has to be downtown. That was one of the main points of this report. Had to be downtown. Is that a mistake that we're making here? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. City staff has recommended to city council, it'll come before council at the General Issues Committee next Wednesday, that Michael Enlauer, the owner of the Bulldogs, his proposal to partner with a public-private partnership to build a new arena at Lime Ridge Mall is not being recommended. They have recommended to the city, to council, to get rid of it, to dump it, just move on with their plans for downtown. And what we're talking about is 
the idea of downtown. Is too much emphasis in this city being put on downtown? It seems that every project, if you want to get traction, it seems anyway, has to involve the downtown. I know that's not true. Literally, people will call and say, what about this? What about this? Fair enough. But most of the projects that we spend most of the time talking about involve the downtown. Do Is it too much of an emphasis in this city when we have a big city around us that pays an awful lot of taxes? Is downtown too much of an emphasis? 905-645-3221, star 9900. Brian is up first today. Brian, how are you? I'm bad, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. What do you think about this? A uh, couple of points. Is it just me, or is it every time the city of Hamilton is offered money, like they balk? Well, mean, it's it, this one's a little unusual because, as as Ann Lauer pointed out to City Council when he made a presentation in October, the Thai Cats he says didn't pay hardly anything, if anything at all, and he's coming forward with thirty million. And you know what, Brian? Again, not to take your time here, but I'm not arguing that. that arena at Lime Ridge had to be done, but it doesn't seem to me like much real attention was given to it. But arena downtown, uh, we tried that. Yep. What do we got? We got a building that's fallen down that nobody wants to put any money in. And hasn't been a lot built up around it, like as far as entertainment and those things. So why would you go back and not look at another option? It's almost like, you know... Still there, Brian? I think we lost Brian. If Brian calls back, we'll get him back on. Let's go to Dave. Dave, how are you? Hey, not too bad. How are you doing tonight? Excellent. What do you think about this? Okay, well, in answer to a couple of your questions there, the first one, yeah, I'd be fine if the, you know, the arena was built outside of the city core. Um, you know, they, they need to understand first if they want to build up the, the core um, in the city, they need to clean it up first, uh, which I can see them putting a lot more emphasis into to clean up the city core before they put in an arena but yet the accessibility when it's outside i would have an issue with even like myself i'm from flamborough so it'd be like you know to get into the city core to go to an event like that it's you know it's a a pain um traffic's terrible um in and outs the access is terrible would you Um, be more likely to go to an event at lime ridge 100 it's easy for me i just jump on the highway and go up the link easy so you get more of a draw, but let's let's take it a step further. You look at how much building they're going on is going on up on the mountain, like when it comes to housing and everything. And are they trying to preserve that space for housing to grow the city because the core is isn't maybe available so much when it comes to housing? But if you take it a step further, why not put it in somewhere accessible like Flamborough or like the outskirts of Ancaster? where the highways are there, there's accessibility from everywhere. You know, Hamilton has to understand and the councillors need to understand that there's more to Hamilton than just the core. And that's the point, Dave, that a lot of people are saying. That's the point that a lot of people are saying. Listen, we understand you have to clean up downtown and build up downtown, but you say you live in Flamborough, and I'm guessing, Dave, that you pay taxes, and your taxes are as good as the people downtown, their taxes. And so why why can't it be that we build things where people want to build things? Dave, I appreciate the call. Thanks so much for calling Thank in. You. Uh, let me go to another Dave here. Dave, how are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Excellent. What do you think about this? I, I agree with the previous callers. Is is constantly, it's always concentrating about downtown. I think our council has blinders. Um, is, is I believe that uh, Tim Hortons Field was done incorrectly. 
that is uh, as for parking and accessibility and uh, even attracting uh, more fans, if they would have put it in, in some of the other spots that they looked at, it would just be better for overall concerts and entertaining Hamilton, making us not so much uh, laughter. I think a lot of cities look at us and giggle. Dave, I thank you for the call. And by the way, you're hardly alone on the idea that Tim Hortons Field was put in the wrong spot. But that we'll go back to that one a different day. But thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Let me go here to Rob. Rob, how are you? Not too bad. You? I'm great. What do you think about this? Uh, I've called before a couple times. All I have to say is they got to get rid of the clowns at City Hall. They're a bunch of idiots. They're too old school. they got to start thinking we're in 2020 today, not 1920. And the downtown stuff, like everybody's saying, it's got to stop. You know, move stuff around the city. It's not all about downtown all the time. So I have to say, get rid of the clowns. Rob, I appreciate your call. Thanks so much. Okay, no problem. Look, I, 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 again, I, I don't know that Lime Ridge was the perfect answer for an arena. It just seemed like it was such a foregone conclusion that the report was going to come back and say downtown was better. I could have predicted this before they began this thing because that's what we do in this city. Downtown is the answer. Downtown is the answer. And sometimes downtown is the answer. And yes, we do need to fix up our downtown like every city does. But I don't believe that that should be at the exclusion of everything else. And in this particular case, as one of the callers said, Brian, I think, you had an owner who wanted to put $30 million of his own dollars, and it took two months for this report to come back, and they said, nah, no thanks. When's the next time some businessman in this city is going to come forward and say, I want to give you $30 million? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, so I'm sitting at home this morning reading this story, and what got my attention, to be honest here, even before I got into the story was the headline and the three words, which were three cool sounding words until you realize how devastating they could be. Headline was this federal spending hits record high as here's the three words. I love demographic time bomb set to explode. And I was like, all right, I got to read this story. What does this mean? Well, story is basically saying that we have an aging population in Canada. That's not a surprise to anybody. Everybody knows that. And as you get older, a couple things happen. A few things happen. You retire, so you don't have as much money coming in to pay taxes. You tend to require more medical care, hopefully not, touch wood, but sometimes that happens. Uh, other things are going on too, but all, and you have to, you require pension, Canada pension, everything else. So you're putting less into the pot and you're taking more out of the pot. But at the back end, we've got a lot of younger people who are not working the same jobs, maybe not making as much money, not as many of them. So you've got what they're calling a demographic time bomb set to explode. How do we deal with that in Canada? Let me bring in one of our favorite people. We love having him on to talk about stuff to do with money and economics. You know, Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business. Marvin, thanks for doing this. Glad to be here. I do love this phrase, even though it's a kind of a scary phrase when you think about it, but uh, are we prepared? I mean, is this just fear mongering or, or are we really prepared for when all these people get older and we now have to cover these costs? So I'm going to answer your question, but I'm just going to set it up uh, again, just a little differently than you have. I don't call it a demographic time bomb, but I do call it a demographic tsunami. 
from 1946 to 1964, that's the age of the baby boom generation. That was when government policy said, please have children. We have to repopulate after the Second World War. We weren't having children. We actually lost a number of people in the war. Please go out and have children, and boy, did we do it. We had a whole lot of children, and then we shut the taps down around 1964. Well, 1946 to 2019, that's 73 years, 2020, 74 years. And why we're concerned about this tsunami of baby boomers getting older is that your prime heart and cancer years, the years that you're most likely going to be touching the health system for one of those, is between the ages of 60 and 70. So I'm a baby boomer. I was born in 1958. I'm 61. Knock wood, I haven't had any problems yet in the cancer or heart department. But you know, chances are something is going to go wrong here. And are we ready for it? So that is your question. Are we ready for this tsunami of seniors? And I think the answer, the short answer is no, uh, we're not. One of the strategies, you gave a couple of strategies, but one of the strategies is simply don't retire, uh, baby boomers. Keep working. You don't have to retire at 65, so work until you're 70. Work until you're 75 and keep putting money into that pot. Um, on the other hand, we know that the government, the one that you were talking about, the federal government, record high levels of spending, nearly $9,000 per person, $56 billion a year of federal budget. Now, the whole budget is $340 billion. $56 billion of that targets programs for seniors, things like the old age security. That's not a pension program. That's simply a gift from the government or the guaranteed income supplement or health care spending. Are we ready for what might hit us over the next 10 years? I think the short answer is no. Yeah, and you mentioned the $56 billion. They're predicting that by with 10 years from now, that jumps to $99 billion. Basically, we're almost going to double the amount we have to spend based on the cohort and based on all the things you just described. So if we're not ready, Marvin, honestly, we, we've known this was coming. We know people are getting older. We we have stats can and censuses, sensi, sens, whatever it is, sensa. What, I don't know what the plural is, yeah. censuses. Um we know this is happening. Why are we not prepared? Well, I think, again, there's several reasons. First, individually, I'm not sure we're prepared. You know, as we age, we talk about active aging. Are we taking steps to give ourselves a good, healthy chance? And I know all kinds of people who are the first to admit, well, you know, I probably should have given up smoking. I probably should have done this. But, you know, I'm going to trust that health care is going to have a magic bullet for me when I need it. Bless their hearts. In the case of health care, there have actually been some very tremendous strides made around heart disease and what we can do. These magical things called stents where we used to have to do bypass surgery, we can get you in and out of the hospital and get you healthy much faster. Cancer, yes, we have more effective treatments today and we can get you to live longer, but of course the best thing would be not to get cancer in the first place. And I think it starts with us individually. I don't think individually we're taking enough steps. You probably know that 2020, the amount we're contributing to the Canada Pension Plan is going to go up from 5.1% of your paycheck to 5.25% of your paycheck. And ultimately, in 10 or 20 years, you're going to have a, a richer Canada Pension Plan. But honestly, you shouldn't only use that as a source of retirement income. You really need to take advantage of things like RRSPs and TFSAs 
and yet we know that in the average Canadian, probably only about 30% of them have money in RRSPs and even less use the TFSAs. What is your strategy for healthy aging? And if you're not doing that individually, is it any surprise then that the government hasn't responded with anything better either? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Marvin Ryder from the Negroot School of Business joins us. And Marvin, here, here's the thing that uh, when I asked you if we're ready and why we're not ready, you can go back to the earliest books of the Bible to find examples of Joseph in those things. I mean, we're talking old, old, old stories here of people saying, you know what, when times are good, you save money. When times are bad, you spend money. And it seems that we in Canada for the last number of years have been doing the opposite. Times are good and we're still spending way more money than we bring in. Are we setting ourselves up by doing that? Well, I think, yes, to some extent we are. Uh, Austerity budgets, ones where we say, look, we have to spend within our means I'd love to give you more money for child care, but, you know, I'll have to borrow that. Or I'd love to give you a grant to buy an electric vehicle, but I'll have to go out and borrow that. I'd rather not do that. And the politicians who have preached austerity, we don't tend to elect. Those who instead say, I got something for you here. I'm going to enhance this for your pocketbook. And, and we just don't tend to look at those long-term circumstances. To give you an example, is talking about the aging population. Do you remember a politician whose name was Kathleen Wynne? She was the premier. Vaguely, of yes. And she said, look, I've been looking at the savings rates of Ontario residents. They're not saving enough for their retirement. She tried to get Stephen Harper to enhance the Canada Pension Plan, expand it, grow it, take in more money, then give better pensions. He wasn't prepared to do that. So she said, I'm going to create my own Ontario Pension Plan. And she got really close to doing it. And then, of course, Stephen Harper lost the election and the, the new government said, OK, we'll, we'll give you some benefits. So she dismantled that. But even that talk of the Ontario Pension Plan contributed her being defeated. We all want a better retirement, but it begins, we, don't, we just don't want to spend the money to do it ourselves. And I think this is the bizarre part of it. We seem to have lost that. Instead, we live for the moment. Let's have the party now. Give me all the benefits now. Give me more benefits now. Oh, tomorrow, well, we'll worry about that then. So what happens? I, I mean, at some point, and we've set this thing up because we have fewer kids, as you said, and not everybody who's a millennial now is making the same money or has the same stable income as their parents may have. So you've got all these people who are getting older who need these extra costs. We don't have the money stashed away necessarily in government coffers, so it's got to come from somewhere. So do we simply just raise and raise and raise taxes, or at some point do you predict we're just going to have to start cutting some of these programs? And let me just give you one more before I answer your question. Not only do you have those concerns, but remember that magical thing called artificial intelligence that's kind of displacing people. We're mechanizing, automating. We're going to get skip the dishes or automated tellers or Alexa to do things for us. And that means we're not going to have as many jobs for humans to do if automation is going to do this. So when you put all of that together, this is that ticking time bomb that everybody sees. The solution at the moment has been for government to run deficits, and they have been running uh, relatively large deficits at the federal level, something on the order of about $20 billion a year. Now, they look at it, the carrying cost as a percentage of the gross domestic product, and at the moment, we have one of those healthiest ratios among the most developed nations of the world. The United States, everyone seems to love Mr. Trump, but they're running trillion-dollar deficits. Canada's $20 billion. Actually, in hindsight, we look pretty good in contrast. But the question isn't just a Canadian question. It's in all of those developed nations. And the only solution at the moment has been to borrow. Can we do that forever? Well, no, of course we can't. 
when is it going to go wrong, and then what the heck are we going to do? And, and I think sooner or later, the, the birds will come home to roost, and we're going to have to tighten our belts somehow. That's again why I say if you can bring down your debt load, if you can save some money, get ready. You're going to be in the best position to weather that storm. Because one thing that we've learned, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we're very happy, and you touched on this, we're very happy to take new things that governments or people want to give us, but when, when you come back and say, yeah, you know, times are tough, i got to take that back, we're not nearly as enthused about giving that back up. No, no. And, and again, here's the funny thing with government spending. Do you remember that Mr. Harper reduced the, uh, the GST from 7% to 6 and then from 6 until 5 And I you know, give him great credit. He was trying to put more money in my pocketbook, but everyone complained, I don't see it. I don't see it because it's a nickel here and it's a dime there and something else. Over a course of a whole year, it could add up to a couple hundred dollars, but because you got it a quarter here, we didn't, we didn't thank him at all. We were quite ungrateful at this. That's the opposite side of the coin. If we want to balance the books, we don't all have to pay a million dollars in taxes. If we just took the tax rate up 1%, 2%, we'd be in a much better position. But any government that runs on a platform, I want to increase your taxes by 1%, I wonder how many votes they would get. Well, largely, I think to your, I agree with you 100%, but I think a lot of it is because more often than not, if they were to say, I want to increase your taxes 1% to help with the deficit or the debt, some people might actually buy into that, but it's always to do pet projects that that government has, and then people just say, well, you're just wasting my money. Yeah, because I don't believe in that pet project. Right. Cut the funding for those people. Go after those farmers. They don't need the money. Go after those. They don't. I need my money. Don't go. And so that that is why I, you know, I've thought occasionally about a career in politics, but I've dismissed it because I don't know how I would balance <laughs> all those conflicting needs and wants to do something that everybody would love. If you go into politics, you'd better be hated because you just can't please all of us. We're too demanding. I think you'd be great in politics. I'd vote for you. Oh, bless your heart. Thank no, you. No, I would. I'd vote for you three times. Might get me arrested, but I'd do it. I'd, <laughs> I'd find a way. Vote early, vote off. Exactly right. Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business. Always love having you. Thanks for doing this. Glad to be here. Uh, you can go read that story that I was talking about, by the way. It's at the National Post website. Federal spending hits record high as demographic time bomb set to explode. And again, points out, so here, here's the thing that is staggering about this, is that we, the Canadian government, the federal government right now, is paying $9,066 per person in Canada on programs. And that is higher right now than at any other time in our country's history. And even at wartime and in great recessions when things were really bad, we didn't give nearly that much per person in programs. How are we going to sustain that? Especially when the resources start going down from taxes. Anyway, it's um, something to take an eye, keep an eye on. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, let me, um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. And here, I want to start with this. I'm going to bring in our buddy Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. Sir, how are you today? Flabbergasted. Flabbergasted? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Great job on your report today about uh, the Bulldogs. Um, Highly disappointing. Well, yes. Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, it is disappointing to me. It's disappointing just... With a bunch of different things, and we'll see how this thing plays out. I mean, there's still time. Things could still get resolved, I suppose. I, I, I didn't get that sense that there was a lot of optimism about it, but, you know, we'll see. It ain't over till it's over, I believe they said once upon a time. It ain't over till the fat lady sings, they also said once upon a time. And I've never yet met the woman who wants to be that person, who wants to uh, claim that mantle. But anyway, lots of things going on. 
Let me ask you this question, Bob, and we're going to dive deep into a psychological human question. This is probably the most deep, deep question that I've ever asked you on the show. You ready for this? Oh, hold on. You still there? Yep, here. There we go. Somehow we hit a button and we lost you there. All right. I'm going to ask you the deepest question you've probably ever heard here. Like emotionally deep? A a lot of different ways. And this, this dives into the human psyche in a way that we have never touched on before on this show. You ready for this? This is shocking. In uh, there was a cricket match that was played this week in um, I think it was an international, but I'm not really sure. But there's a guy named Liam Livingstone, and he was a batsman. He was a batter, and Liam Livingstone had the great misfortune. He had the great misfortune this week of having something happen to him twice in the same at bat. A pitcher, a bowler who was a spin bowler, spun the ball and had it ricochet up and hit him right you know where, twice in the same at-bat. Here was the second one. Here's a listen. Hold on. (laughs) That, unfortunately, is the third time this evening. Yeah, so there we go. That was the third time in that evening, but the second time in an at-bat, the guy got hit in the junk with a ball. Um, and so I, here's my question. The commentators, the, the female commentator, kept it together fine. The guys who should know better were killing themselves laughing and almost couldn't carry on. Why do we find it so funny when guys get sacked? Because <laughs> we've all been there. But it's not funny. <laughs> there's nothing funny it's, about it. No, it is funny unless it's you. Well, <laughs> America's Funniest Home Videos made a career out of this kind of thing. You know, it's 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 uncomfortable. Um, I think we get giggly because it's the private parts. Uh, we like to giggle about these kind of things in, in our own little way. Um, and like I said, I think it's kind of funny in some ways. I mean, what are you going to do, though? Right? I just I have no idea why we. I mean, look, we all do laugh about it. I just don't know why, especially because you don't see women that I know of when they have painful, like no woman ever goes, oh, I just birthed a child. Ha ha ha. I mean, no one's ever, that's, it's not something you would go, oh, that's hilarious. Cause that hurts so much. And yet when you see a guy get slammed there, we just think it's the funniest thing ever. I don't get it. Anyway, it's, it's this guy that you should go watch the video. This poor guy, three times in one game, he gets pouched. And I'm, I'm, was he wearing protection? Well, I don't know, but I'm guessing after the first time it was numb anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter at that point. But yes, they were. Uh, there was great hilarity in the booth when uh, when he was suffering. Uh, I, I will say the one thing that was kind of funny is that when he goes down, if you heard that clip, he's like, "Oh no!" He had enough pe- presence of mind to give a, an actual thought to that. Anyway, let us move along. I just I've never figured that out, and I thought maybe you had a good psychological answer for why we find such hilarity in other people's suffering. I think it's pretty simple. We're guys. We're, we're kind of dumb. <laughs> well, that, simple. that could be. Maybe it's, is that, maybe it's that simple to the answer. All right, I'll, we'll go with that one. We're a bunch of morons. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, okay. Got a bunch of things I want to ask you about. Tom Brady was on Instagram when and I guess he was responding to a million different questions that he was being asked. The quarterback of the New England Patriots, I don't think even arguably, I think for sure, the greatest player in NFL history, certainly the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And on Instagram, he 
poo-pooed the idea, really, that he was going to retire. He's 42 or 43 now, uh, saying, I still have more to prove. Now, I don't know if I agree with that or not, but do you, do you wish Tom Brady would retire, or do you wish Tom Brady would come back and play some more? Well, I'm always of this, and I think you hear a lot of people in, in sports um, saying that, you know, let them kick you out because you can't come back for the most part, especially when it comes to football because your skills diminish. And, uh, you know, as you're right, Brady will be 43 years old in August and um, lives a good lifestyle, though, right? And I think he keeps his body in incredible shape. And, and I think if the guy wants to play, still has. And I think most importantly, not only physically can he play, but if you still have that burning desire to win, uh, I'm all for it. Um, I just I, hate I, I hate it when athletes who are great athletes who we remember as great athletes linger on and they're a shell of themselves because that's that's how we end up remembering a lot of the time. And, and you're totally right on that. And I think you know you think of someone like a Willie Mays playing for yeah, the Mets for the Mets and and at that point he had you know his his skills had diminished to nothing like I mean the Hall of Famer his Hall of Fame self. But that's not the case here with Tom Brady. Um, I think Tom Brady. Remember, they they went eleven and five this year, and, and won the division for you know the umpteenth time. Um, but I think you have to look at the talent that was surrounding him offensively, and the Patriots did not do a great the, the job. lack of talent. The lack of talent. Yeah. I mean, just at, at the wide receiver position, and that was a problem for him, especially in you know, when you're Tom Brady, you're held to a high standard, and of course, with a lot of young, outstanding, dynamic young quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, and of course, there's that comparison between you know the the elder statesmen and some of these young guns, but unfortunately. He doesn't have the same tools as these guys. So I think he didn't look as good. And I think what we saw for the first time this year were moments of him being absolutely frustrated on, on, on the sideline. And we're not used to seeing that. Even, with that still, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. With that said, the team still got to the playoffs. Now, will he be with the Patriots next year for the first time in his what, 20-year career? He's approaching free agency in March. Um, that's going to be a discussion that's going to be need to be had between Bill Belichick and the owner Robert Kraft, and 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 you know does Brady even want to be there? Remember, uh, earlier this year, uh, put the house up for sale in Massachusetts. Apparently, bought some property and a home in California. Um, Maybe there's another team out there that he wants to play with. Joe Montana finishes career I know. with the Kansas City Chiefs and, that, and, so and did, went to an AFC championship. I know, but who wants to think of Joe Montana as a Kansas City Chief? I mean, just even after what he did later in his life, who wants to think of O.J. Simpson as a San Francisco 49er? I mean, right. who wants to? All these guys but, but that, think of Peyton Manning. Yeah, although, Peyton, although, Peyton yeah, okay. I mean, he he was he was a shell of himself at the end, but he had a good Super Bowl run there in the in the middle of it with uh, with uh, Denver. Um, Brett Favre had his most successful statistical season as a member of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and that's... many of us don't forget that he played one year with the Jets. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. I, I forgot about that. But I, I mean, I think of like the, the to me the gold standard is Wayne Gretzky. 
Right. And I think Gretzky stayed, even though he got out at a perfect time, sort of, because it was 1999, which matched 99, and he he wasn't a terrible player when he left. I do think that he left a year too late. I think his skills had diminished enough that he was still a good player, but he wasn't Wayne Gretzky. And so you have a bunch of people who remember... When you see, especially have you seen that new Tim Hortons commercial with him with the, yeah. getting the autograph? Yep. And what's the picture they show on the TV when he's watching? They show him crying at his trade, yep. and they show him skating around in the Rangers jersey waving. Like, the two worst moments ever for, <laughs> why not show some of the goals or assists or something? I, I don't, that, like, it's a beautiful commercial. I love the commercial. Those are two weird clips to have used in there. But anyway, uh, but I, I hope nobody thinks of him as a New York Ranger from his last year because, you know, I hope nobody thinks of Muhammad Ali getting pounded by Larry Holmes at the end of his career or Trevor Burbick. You know, these, you gotta, I've never been a professional athlete, as you well know, but I, you've got to get out when you still are something like yourself because you want to know something. And I, I I I don't think they're thinking that way. I know, I I know. I I think when you are successful, as many of these top athletes that we're talking about, you've been to the top of the mountaintop as either the greatest player of your era or maybe your time or a year or, or you've won championships. It's an addiction. And like I said, once you, once you go, like it, you can't come back yep. for the most part. Like you, you know what I mean? So you might as well play for as long as you can. And I still think Tom Brady, at the, even at this advanced age, and even coming off you know one of his poor years statistically, is still got. I think he still can play. And and, and, I, think, he, and, and he, I think I think it's kind of a selfishness, and I'm and I'm going to join you on it. Like there's many athletes where I'm like, oh, you know, like you know, let me throw you another one. You know, I'm a you know I've been a longtime Bills fan since 1980, and you know it it, it bothered me to see Thurman Thomas play one year with the Miami Dolphins. I forgot just, about that, too. It just didn't make sense. Bruce Smith, you know, the all-time sack leader in NFL history, you know where he broke that record? In his final year as a member of the Washington Redskins. But I still believe that at the end of the day, once these guys retire, even though if it might have been a year or two with someone else, we will still identify him with that particular team of greatness. I still believe Joe Montana is a, is a San Francisco 49er. So you don't think of Dexter Manley as an Ottawa renegade? <laughs> that is a fantastic. <laughs> or uh, or uh, or uh, who was the other one? Mark Gastineau was with uh, wasn't he with Montreal for a while? Uh, he was with someone he, in the he, CFL. Yeah, he went somewhere in the CFL. You're right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, now, thankfully, we don't. But uh, anyway, I, look, I, I think you're probably right. I do think that Tom Brady can still play. You've got Giselle Bunchen at home. You've got more money than you could spend in twelve lifetimes. You've got endorsement opportunities that will keep that money flowing in. I just, I, it, it's, I get that he would want to do it and it's his life and it's his career as a fan of football. I would just love for him to say, before I discover that I can't play anymore, right. I want to get out. Well, and because when you discover it, you're already way past that hill. Here, here's an, here's one more thing to, that really deep down has to bother him. Remember his last pass at yep. home, where they win playoff games with regularity. They rarely lose at home, but they did so. And his last throw at home in Foxborough was intercepted, and an interception re- returned for a touchdown. How can you go out like that? Uh, yeah, no, uh, look, but I don't, 
A lot of people are guessing. I have no idea. I, Tom and I don't talk as much as we once did. Um, I have no idea what he would do or not. It seems when you read between the lines, and I don't know where the lines are, when he talks about I still have something to prove or I still have more to prove, you, you get the sense like you just alluded to that it might be somewhere else. And to me, that's even worse. If you want to come back and fin- now at this point to finish your career with the, with the Patriots, okay, if you really want to come back. But if all of a sudden we see him as a Los Angeles Charger or a, a, a Las Vegas Raider or whatever, like it, that. The San Diego Charger thing makes some sense to me because he is a native of Southern. He is a native of California, and going to the Chargers, a team that probably could use some help in terms of quarterbacking, because it looks like Philip Rivers. He's he's at the end of his contract deal. He's 38 years old. He's coming off a horrific season. I'm sure they're moving on from him. Um, and him, Tom Brady in California. Remember this too. And this is we talk about wanting to prove something, Scott. For as long as we can remember, and probably for the better bit of 20 years, Tom Brady has always been in this duo. They're tied together at the hip yep. with head coach Bill Belichick. Who is the result of who? Right, and, and, we, and we will ask that. We've been asking that question for at least the last decade, and maybe we will continue to ask that question a decade from now. But maybe he wants to prove, look, I can go out and win without this guy. Maybe that's something that, 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 that's driving him. Maybe. Maybe, but what happens if he goes to the Chargers? And I don't look. I I don't believe that Bill Belichick or Tom Brady is individually the cause of their success. I think the two of them. You can't separate them. The two of them made each other great. Sure. They're so he goes now to San Diego or Los Angeles or wherever the heck they're playing this week, and is terrible. Now so what now we've decided that it was Belichick who carried Tom Brady? I don't think so. And even if Tom Brady goes there and is really good, does that mean that Bill Belichick was a nothing coach and you prove that you were really the guy? No, I don't think so. I I just don't get what the what it is that you would want to prove or what you feel you have to prove. If you want to keep playing, again, I guess knock yourself out, go make your money. Hopefully you don't get concussed or banged up or whatever too much at this point because you want to be able to walk and play with your kids. But I say I just too many athletes, too many athletes are, uh, the, and you, you mentioned Willie Mays. I'll tell you, there's a, there's a guy who lives in Hamilton, lives in Stony Creek. I think he's still in Stony Creek, Brian Ostrosser, who played a little bit of professional baseball and he played on that Mets team when Willie Mays came there. And I talked to him one time about it and he goes, you know, he wasn't close to the guy that he once was. He had a locker next to him and he was falling down going for fly balls. Oh, gosh. Why? Who, why and, and the problem is, if you're Willie Mays, by the time you're running around in the outfield and falling down, you're already over the hill and you can't really get out of it. That's what we're going to remember for some people. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Mark Gastineau, by the way, played a season with the BC Lions. I can't believe the Wally was Wally Buono there at the time. He might have been, and you know who else would have been hanging around was Brigitte Nielsen. Oh, that's right, the the, the Rocky girl. That's right. Yes, yes, I that was uh, yeah Rocky Four, though the uh, Ivan Drago's wife Rocky. from Rocky Four. <laughs> I will break you. Go for it. Um, I can we can do all the Rocky movies if you'd like. Uh, up until the later, up until the later ones, which I started ignoring, because uh, the one thing about Rocky movies that I never did figure out: how was it that when Rocky, when the series started, Rocky was a punch drunk 
pounded in the head, slurring his words guy. And the more he got hit as the series went on, the clearer his speech became (laughs) until he got old. And then he went back to being punch drunk again. It's amazing. Apparently, if you're punch drunk, the the secret to getting healthy is just get hit in the head way more times. You stop it. Didn't he win an Oscar for that performance? Uh, For the first one, yeah. But as I say, by Rocky III, he was a clear speaking, beautiful man. He had been an ugly, beaten down pug who could barely speak in the first one. And by Rocky III, when he fought Clubber Lang, man, the guy was an Adonis. Well, quite honestly, at least in my opinion, and and I probably, I didn't see them all, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I probably saw six. And to me, there is no memory of two, three, four, five, six, Maybe the last one, that, that one that he did with, uh, I can't remember, um, the sort of comeback one where he was the manager for a young black kid. I can't remember. For Apollo Creed's kid. Yeah, that, that, one, that one I thought was actually good. But other than one, which is the gold standard in my opinion, everything else pales. One was good. Two was pretty good. Three got silly. Four got ridiculous. Five was starting to climb out of the hole. And as I say, then he started to remember, hey, you know what? We can actually act as opposed to just having an entire movie with ridiculous characters throwing haymakers and no one ever falls down. Or we (laughs) fall down on every punch. Those boxers in those films took more abuse than actual boxers in a ring. Oh, no. Any boxer in a Rocky movie would have died seven times in the (laughs) ring. In every fight, you would have been killed seven times with some of those... uh, some of those punches, but anyway, there you go. Uh, hey, as we send you out, just think of this one as you spend the rest of your night making sure you don't take a cricket ball in the... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> there you go. We can all go laugh about it and try and figure out why. Hey, uh, Bubba O'Neill, which by, which, by the way, loving the new growing in the hair here. Bob oh. O'Neill, no longer fully bald, no longer shaving the head. He's growing hippie. He's growing out the hair. He's growing the skullet. Bubba O'Neill, you can see it on CHCH, the beginning of the new long-haired Bubba O'Neill tonight. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just, I'm just going with the flow. You know why I did that? Because we always hear that like, if Taz does something different with her hair, people will call in and make comments because she's a woman with hair. So I it figured to not be sexist, I had to point out your hair. That no, way I, it's, I, I you know, it's even. I actually, have, I actually have received some Facebook have messages you? and tweets from people. And there's one lady that every day, she's very upset with me. <laughs> well, okay. Well. She, she may need to find another hobby. But anyway, <laughs> show, show her some cricket highlights tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bubba O'Neill from CHCH, thanks for doing this. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.